Brothers and sisters, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record for us what we call the seven words of Christ on the cross, seven phrases that he uttered on the cross. We call them the seven words of the cross. The end of our text gives us the third of those seven words. Dear woman, here is your son, and here is your mother. These words and this action in the scene that we read, they highlight the theme of love that just permeates the Gospel of John. And we're going to spend some time tonight meditating on the love of Jesus as we see it here on the cross and as we see it in this particular word of the cross The Gospel of John emphasizes the love of God again and again. We see that in the most well-known passage on God's love in John 3.16. Later in the book, approaching the cross, John shows us Jesus' love by telling us in chapter 13 how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And I think that's Pastor Mike's focus next week, that part of John 13. At the end of that chapter, the end of 13, Jesus talks about this new command that he gives, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then even getting closer to the cross in John 17, Christ prays for believers asking God that the love that the Father has for him, which is incredible if we would stop there and think about it. He asks that the love the Father has for him, the Son, would that love, that it would be in believers. Love permeates this gospel. Love permeates this passage and what happens here in three ways. We see the extent of Christ's love. We see the purpose of Christ's love. And we see the power of Christ's love. First, the extent of the love of Christ displayed on the cross. Do you notice this scene includes four women? Jesus' mother, that would be Mary. His mother's sister, that would probably be Salome. Matthew tells us she was the mother of the sons of, of thunder, James and John. So we think Salome was Jesus' aunt, and that would make James and John, the disciples, his cousins. Then there's this Mary, the wife of Clopas. It's the only place we read about her in the Bible. Early church history tells us Clopas may may have been Joseph's brother. So this woman could very well also have been an aunt of Jesus. Joseph, by the way, is uh, is probably already dead. He's died by that time, by this time. That's why he's not in the scene. Then there's another Mary, Mary Magdalene. That's the one in the resurrection story. She's in all four Gospels. Other than her being there at the resurrection, we know that Jesus freed her from demon possession. So he had seven demons, and we know she followed Jesus. So we have these four women who loved Jesus. All four of them loved Jesus, and they're standing near the cross. And then then Jesus looks down from the cross in his pain and his agony, and he sees his mother... It's really all very touching. It's really very emotional. 
There's definitely something very, very special about the relationship between a mother and her child. And, and, and think about what that must have been like for Mary to see her son in the situation he was in. Simeon prophesied what Mary would go through. In Luke 2, we read that he told Mary a sword would pierce her own soul too. Imagine for a mother to see her 33-year-old son in this situation, not being able to do anything about it. We all know how moms are. A mom will stick up for her children fiercely like no one else. I'm in very, very big trouble at home if I dare criticize Olivia, Hannah, Sophia, or Adriana. Sarah sticks up for her babies no matter what. And I, 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 I like to think I do it at least once a week, maybe more, just to get a rise out of her. It's a lot of fun. They often say that for a child to go to die before a parent really goes against the natural order of things. Here, Mary is watching her son die the death of a criminal, and he never committed a crime. He was the perfect son, the only son who never did anything wrong. Mary is standing before her suffering son. She's close enough to touch him. She's close enough to see his blood dripping on the ground. She's close enough to hear his anguish. As a mother, you've got to think she wanted to do nothing more than run up to him, hold him, take him back home to be with her, anything to stop this. Now Jesus, as fully God, had the power to leave. He had the power to escape his captors any time, but he didn't. He chose to stay. He chose to go through with the eternal plan to suffer, to die on a cross for our sins, to die for all who would believe in his name, to die for those who mistreated him. He died for his mother. He died for you and me so that we would have life. The extent of Christ's love, as we see it here in this scene with these women who love him so much, including his mother, the extent of Christ's love to go to that cross, it's beyond our understanding. I don't know if we always think about that aspect of his suffering, but to go through what he did with the added situation of his mother there, probably to Ants. That's the scene of Christ's love that John wants us to see. That's the extent of Christ's love that John presents to us here. We're shown something of the purpose of Christ's love too. The purpose is of his love is about his love for us, for you and me, and his purpose is that we would love others as he loved us. Just as Jesus teaches that at the end of John 13, I mentioned earlier, he demonstrates that love here. How? Our text says Jesus also saw the disciple who he loved standing near his mother. And that's a language that that John uses to talk about himself. So this is John. 
And then Jesus speaks the third word from the cross to his mother, dear woman, here's your son, to John, here's your mother. In those days, as the firstborn, it was Jesus' responsibility to make sure that his mother was cared for. We read later on that his brothers were still living in, in Acts 1. So it's a little strange that his brothers aren't here because they were, they were living. Um, we, we don't know what the deal was. We don't know why they didn't take the responsibility. It's very possible they didn't believe in Jesus yet at this point. Maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it created some sort of family rift. It's kind of all speculation. But think about what Jesus says here and what he does on the cross in the most profound moment in history where Jesus' work that was planned before the foundations of the earth were created, that is what's coming to culmination. And he's thinking of his mother's loneliness after he's gone. He remembers his obligation to her. And we see, you know, Jesus followed God's will perfectly his whole life, including the command to to honor his father and mother. He followed God's will perfectly his whole life to his last breath. This is showing us and, and it's also showing us another way in which Jesus fulfilled God's law for us, all of us who have failed the law and found his will in so many ways. Jesus somehow can think beyond the excruciating pain to show his love for his mother. The reality is, the fact is, the whole purpose of his going to the cross The whole purpose of salvation, if you think about it, was God's love for his people. So it makes sense. It's not as crazy as it sounds. And the purpose was for us to show that same love to others as well. And I believe that's what's going on here. We have here beneath the cross, in a sense... A new family being formed, the church. John writes that the purpose of his gospel is that people believe in Jesus and that by believing in him, they may have life in his name. John 1 states that all who believe in Jesus have been given the right to become children of God, children not by blood, not born of natural descent, nor human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Through Christ's death, people are made alive and become sons and daughters of God. Beneath the cross of Jesus, through faith in him, there is new life and a new relationship with God. We're made righteous before God, and we have a new relationship with other people. We have the church the body of believers, brothers and sisters, and Lord, the place, that's what the church is, the place is where God's love is demonstrated today. Jesus 
was in the flesh demonstrating the love of God on the cross. The Bible says we, the church today, are his body demonstrating in concrete, in the flesh ways, his love to those around us. Mary's needs are met through John here. And just like her needs are met, we receive from God the gift of the church and everything we need. We have a loving, caring, encouraging, sustaining family. There's no other group of people like this. All different backgrounds, despite our weaknesses, despite the fact that some of us aren't always lovable all the time, but we're joined together beneath the cross of Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters. We're born into a new family. And you think about the people in the world that don't know that yet. We need to tell them. We, they need to know about this family, this place where God's love is demonstrated in and out of. We're called to invite them in. Jesus, in this scene, in the same moment where he is healing the broken vertical relationship that we have with God, he's also showing us how important the horizontal relationships are in our lives and in his kingdom. His death is for those bonds too. Hebrews says, let us stir one another up to love and good works don't forsake the assembly of believers, but encourage one another. When we're saved, we display the love of Christ to others. Jesus died on the cross so that we can do just that. John would go on to write uh, basically a commentary on that in his letter, 1 John. It's like a whole commentary on believers loving others based in God's love. How are you doing tonight in living out the purpose of Christ's love as we see it here on the cross in this third word of the cross? How are you doing? How are you living out the purpose of his love as we see it? How, how are we doing together as a church You heard about the, the burning of the, that uh, Koran by uh, a pastor in Florida. Was it just a couple weeks ago? And as a result, radical Muslims in Afghanistan killed and injured people as a result of that burning of their, their, their holy, what they call their holy word. A couple thoughts about that is... is Saw that on the news. You know, one, that's the Bible of the Muslims. The Quran is their Bible. And it's incredible to me how passionate they are about it. They're willing, they're willing to die for their Bible. They're willing to start a riot about it. Clearly, their actions were wrong. But it makes me think, in contrast, do we have the passion 
that we should have for the Word of God. And this is the real Bible, inspired, infallible, inerrant. Do we stick up for it? Do we defend it? Are we passionate about it? We should be. The second thought relates a little more directly to this text. It's about that pastor's action, that pastor's action, doing what he did. We spoke about persuading others this morning, right? Defending the faith, defending the faith. And no doubt this pastor thinks that's what he was doing, defending the faith. But, but is that the way? Is that what Christians should be doing? Burning a Quran, that's a huge insult. It's basically saying, we despise you, Muslims. We despise you. We despise everything you stand for. Is that how we are to persuade, do you think? With intimidation? With the show of power? Aren't we to convince and persuade them with the love of Jesus? Isn't the power in his love, isn't that how we are to interact with and reach out to those who don't believe? We don't have to burn Qurans. The way of love gives us countless opportunities to demonstrate the love of God in Christ to our neighbors, to the world through the ministry of the church, the ministry of the word, Jesus died to empower his people to do just that. It's the way of love. One one concluding thought tonight. We see the extent of Jesus' love, that he would suffer and die that death for us. We see the purpose of Christ's love, ultimately, here, loving others, that we would love others. And also, finally, we see the power of Jesus' love for you and me. Uh, I read a bit about this in a meditation by a well-known preacher today. In showing us his love for us here, Jesus shows us his power to provide us with everything we need today. Think about that. If Jesus could provide for the needs of someone he loved, his mother Mary, in his moment of deepest weakness, if he could provide in his moment of deepest humiliation, how much more, don't you think, he can provide for our needs today? After the cross, Jesus triumphed over death and the grave. He rose, he received the glorified body, he ascended to heaven at God's right hand. He has power, he's exalted, and he poured out his spirit on his church. He poured out his spirit on you and me to receive power and blessings, everything that we could possibly need. You think about how much better our position is than Mary's to receive blessing from God in our lives. I want you to listen to a couple scripture texts. Ephesians 1, 18, 19, and 20. 
All who believe have a glorious inheritance and an incomparably great power. All who believe, you believe this is yours. This power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And so when Paul thinks about whether we can bank on Jesus for providing what we need in life, the wealth of his glory gives him assurance. He says in Philippians 4, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So this scene, this action, this word of love, is a great encouragement to us in the midst of the needs we have in our lives. If Jesus could provide for a child of his in his moment of greatest weakness, how much more don't you think he'll provide for you today? And sometimes we wonder, sometimes we doubt. But he's at the right hand of God. He reigns. He will provide with his strength, with all his power. We sing a lot of Jesus' amazing love during Lent. John brings us his love into focus in a beautiful, beautiful way in this scene. Live in the joy and the comfort of that love. Demonstrate it. Tell someone else about it. Amen.